All right, let's go to Proverbs chapter 9 together tonight. Proverbs chapter 9. And we're going to be looking at just Proverbs 9, verse 12. Just one verse tonight. Very unusual for us, but just one verse. Proverbs 9, verse number 12. And we will consider the subject of the scorner. The scorner from Proverbs 9, verse 12. The Bible tells us, If thou be wise, thou shalt be wise for thyself. But if thou scornest, thou alone shalt bear it. Those words in verse 12, really there are two defined statements. We have the one that is spoken of about the person who is wise and one that is spoken regarding the person who scorns. We see for the wise, it says thou shalt be wise for thyself. But for the one that scorns, or the scorner, thou alone shall bear it. And it's really the idea of what the scorner is bearing is really what our uh, thought is going to be tonight. What is the scorner bearing? Uh, We could say tonight that it is true, and I think all of us would agree, that nobody else can live your life for you. Uh, No one else can live your life for you. None of you can live your life for me. We all make our own choices. We all make our own decisions. And those decisions and those choices that we make uh, are what we often refer to. They are for better or for worse. Uh, No question, uh, we could go around this room tonight and say how many of you have made a bad choice, a bad decision at some point in your life, and we would all say certainly have. And then I might ask a further question, how many of us made a bad decision because we refused counsel? Uh, The refusal of wise counsel often and almost always certainly leads to the consequences of rejecting wise counsel. Not all counsel is wise. One of the great dangers that believers get into sometimes is seeking counsel from a non-believer. It is impossible it's impossible for a non-believer to give wise counsel to a believer. It's just not going to be wise because it's not based upon scriptural truth. Oftentimes we might say, well, some counsel is better than no counsel. I would tell you you're better off to receive no counsel than to receive counsel that's bad. But we all make our own choices as I can't live your life for you. You can't live your life for me. I also cannot, my wisdom or whatever wisdom I have cannot be wise for you. In other words, just because you're around somebody who has wisdom or is wise, uh, you can't grab on to that wisdom with them. In other words, just being around wise people doesn't make you wise. A wise man can give sound counsel. He can give good biblical counsel to a person who needs it. And we might be sharing in the benefit of that. We might say, I heard somebody give really good counsel today, but that man who gives the counsel or that woman that gives the counsel cannot make the people that are listening take that counsel and apply it. In other words, you could hear it. You could know it's wise but nobody can make you take that counsel. 
Now, what is it called when a person hears wise counsel, disregards it, maybe says, casts it away, says, I don't need that? Uh, We would refer to that as counsel that is being spurned, or we might use the word being scoffed at. In other words, there's a reason that that wise counsel is not being accepted. Uh, That would be to scoff at counsel. The principle here, though, that we're dealing with in verse 12 is along the same lines. It's the word scornest or to scorn. Throughout the scripture, that phrase or that word scorner or scornest or to scorn, there are a number of references. And almost in every case, the scorner is referred to as a person who scoffs or refuses or rejects the things of God. So for argument's sake tonight, the scorner is a person who scoffs at the things of God. A scorner is an individual who, because of his or her own pride, scoffs at godly counsel. And that counsel, even though it may be life-giving counsel. You know, there is counsel that's life-giving. When we talk to somebody about the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are giving life-giving counsel. When we proclaim from a pulpit or in a, in a place, repent and believe the gospel, the command that's given in Scripture, we are giving wise counsel. But we cannot make a person who hears it take that counsel. As a matter of fact, some, when they hear the gospel, they scoff at it, they reject it, they spurn it. They say, I don't want that counsel. So the idea here tonight and what Proverbs is saying in just this, this one verse The consequences of a man's conduct, the consequences of what a man does, whether they're good or bad, that reflects back on him. In other words, if a man rejects your counsel and you're giving wise counsel, it does not reflect badly on you. It reflects badly on that person. And this is important because as we go along here, we're going to see how this happens. We need to first keep in mind that God is not profited by us. In other words, God does not gain more value because of who we are or what we do. He is above anything. We can't harm God in any way. Now, that's thought to think about. You cannot harm God in any way. You cannot harm God's counsel. But we can... We can be guilty of using that counsel, using that counsel and thinking that somehow that counsel is ours. Now, a man who uses and submits to wise counsel is a tremendous blessing. There's no question about it. Our church needs wise people. Our church needs people who are completely submitted to Jesus Christ and the wisdom that he provides. We need that. Every church needs it. And it's a blessing to a church. You go into a church where there is, there is a lack of wisdom. There is a lack of understanding, and you will find that it becomes a stumbling block. But notice again what it says. If thou be wise, thou shalt be wise for thyself. Here's the principle. Wisdom is primarily for your own advantage. Now, we're going to talk about that. It's for our own advantage. 
The scorner on the opposite side, instead of being a blessing to a church, the scorner is what we'll refer to as a grief to the church. Or we might even say he becomes a stumbling block. But notice, again, the principles here. If you're wise, or if thou be wise, thou shalt be wise for thyself. But if thou scornest, thou alone shalt bear it. Bear what? The consequences of scorning. In other words, that person who scorns wise counsel alone brings hurt. He bears it. The scorner does not hurt God. Okay? The scorner does not hurt God. But we do know that as a man scorns counsel, as a man refuses and rejects counsel, Galatians 6 verses 5 through 8 give us the principle about man bearing his own burden. We don't often think about it in this, in this context. But whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. If a man is found to be a scorner, he will reap the consequences of scorning the word of God. Now, I want to look at a number of passages tonight, and we're not going to expound on every one of these, but I want to go through these. And I just want to, what I want us to see is I just want us to see how the word scorner is used in various places in Scripture. Again, this is not going to be an exhaustive look at all these verses. But if you would, go to Psalm 1, verse 1, the very first verse in the book of Psalms. Psalms 1, 1. Many people know this one by heart, but I want you to notice the principle there about the scorner. Psalm 1.1, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Blessed is the man that doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, or sit in the seat of the scornful. There's one use of the word scorner, and it's there in, a scorn, in the word scornful. Now, all these references are there in your handout, so if you miss when I give them, you can follow along there. Psalm 44, verses 13 and 14. Psalm 44, verses 13 and 14. This is in reference to being cast off by God, so this will make these two verses... Uh, make a little bit more sense. Again, it's difficult when you just go to these verses and don't expound on them much. Verse 13 says, Thou makest us a reproach to our neighbors, a scorn and a derision to them that are round about us. Thou makest us a byword among the heathen, a shaking of the head among the people. Psalm 79, 4. Psalm 79, 4. Very similar to what we just read here. We are become a reproach to our neighbors, a scorn and a derision to them that are round about us. Psalm 123, Psalm 123, verse 4. Actually, listen, let's go back just one verse in verse 3 and 3 and 4 of Psalm 123. Have mercy upon us, O Lord, 
Have mercy upon us, for we are exceedingly filled with contempt. Our soul is exceedingly filled with the scorning of those that are at ease and with the contempt of the proud. And then Proverbs 1.22. Proverbs 1.22. One of the first couple of messages in this series in Proverbs, Proverbs 1.22, with a reference back to those referred to as the simple ones. How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? And the scorners delight, notice this one, delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Proverbs 19, verses 28 through 29. Proverbs 19, verses 28 through 29. An ungodly witness scorneth judgment, and the mouth of the wicked devoureth iniquity. Judgments are prepared for scorners and stripes for the back of fools. And then the last one we'll look at will be 2 Peter. So one New Testament reference here. There are others, but this is the one I thought was appropriate for tonight. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. 2 Peter verse, chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Now, this is a different word, but it's the same, same meaning here. The second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So what we see here in these various texts, and we see this use of the word scorning, we understand that when Proverbs is referring to here and talking about here, is he's saying there is a difference between the wise man and the scorner. Obviously, we know that. We understand that a wise man compared to a scorner. But if you see it again, and you notice very carefully as we consider this verse again, the scorner, if thou scornest, thou alone shalt bear it. Whatever a man does with the doctrines of Christ, whatever he does with the doctrines of wisdom, he or she alone shoulders the entirety of the consequences. So a man that scorns at the things of God is a man who will suffer the vengeance of an offended God, not a hurt God, okay? That's why I said in the beginning, not a hurt God, an offended God. Not human offense like we think about when we get our feelings hurt. An offense to God is what? Sin is an offense to God. 
to scorn against God. Those scorners of wisdom of Christ are solely responsible for the consequences of rejecting him. And you say, what does this have to do with us tonight? Well, we need to think about and consider that if you scorn wisdom, you scorn wise counsel, you will ultimately only hurt yourself. In the eternal realm, the man who rejects the gospel hurts himself eternally. But it is possible for you and I, even as believers, to scorn wise counsel. And whatever hurt comes from that is on us. You bear the consequences of rejecting wise counsel. When he says there in these, this one verse, and I've just given you a simple outline tonight, the scorner refuses and rejects wise counsel. And it says there, the wise man hearkens unto wisdom or the things of Christ and brings good or profit upon himself. Just like the verse says, the wise will be wise for themselves. If you scorn, you alone shall bear the consequences of scorning. The wise man who does listen to the wise things of the things of Christ, he only brings good upon himself. Friends, it's never going to be wrong. It is never going to be wrong to heed wise counsel. Now, sometimes we treat counsel this way. We say, yeah, that's very wise, but I think I'll go my own way. Can I tell you, we in many ways, we have a struggle with this. We have a personal struggle that sometimes we get a little bit too wrapped up in ourselves that when somebody gives us wise counsel, we know it's wise counsel, but we say, I'd rather go my own way. That happens to us even as believers. Just because we're in Christ doesn't mean that we are free from ever scoffing at wise counsel. It's a wise man or a wise woman that hearkens to what the advice wisdom has given. Hearkening to wise counsel means there's obedience. That means that there is not only an obedience, but there is a turning to that wisdom and away from that which would remove or take you away from wise counsel. Sometimes wise counsel is going to instruct you, you need to move away from the issue, move away from the problem, move away from what's causing it. It's for your own good. It's for my own good. It's for my profit. It's for my advantage. That's what he means here when he says, listen, if you're wise, you're wise for yourself. Listen, somebody may watch your example, but they don't really get the benefit of what happens. The person that heeds wise counsel receives the benefit. It's you receive the advantage. Now understand something, that our taking wise counsel, our obey, being obedient to wise counsel is not for Christ's sake, but for ours. In other words, you're not doing God a favor by heeding wise counsel. You and I are not benefiting God any, any way. We're not making him more wise or making him more valuable. But what we are doing is when we listen to wise counsel, we are 
we are profiting ourselves. There is no such thing as wrong, wise counsel. Now, it might not line up with us, but if it's wisdom, if it's from the Word of God, it's not going to be wrong. When we see the urgency in which the Proverbs have talked about getting wisdom, these are all building up to what we've been talking about, getting this wisdom. Why is is it such a pressing matter to get wisdom? Because of the benefit and the good that it brings. Not just to the, the believer, but as we'll see in a few moments, the urgency of wisdom getting to the unbeliever as well. Man's wisdom is not profitable to God, but to ourselves. We're not even told to get wisdom. And this, I think this is important. We're not told to get wisdom to make God look better. In other words, the idea behind us becoming wise believers is not so that we give a good reflection of who God is. Our obedience to Him or our rejection of Him is not harming God. If we obey Him, the benefit is to us. If we disobey Him, the consequences are on us. You're not changing God. You're not making God something different. We're not adding profit to Him. There's an example of this in Job, uh, Job 22. If you want to turn and follow along, Job 22, the first five verses there. We'll try to just pick this up and just try to try to give us an idea here. Now, you've got to remember, Job in Job 22, and even prior to this, is being accused of being wicked. Now, he's receiving counsel but he's not receiving wise counsel, all right? This is a perfect example of this. Job's three friends were trying to tell Job, Job, you're going through all these problems because of sin in your life. Uh, God is pouring out his wrath upon you because you've obviously done something wrong because God would never do anything like this unless you gave him a reason. Now, here's what it says in Job 22. And this is, the, this is the account of one of the friends, Eliphaz. Then Eliphaz the Temanite answered and said, Can a man be profitable unto God as he that is wise may be profitable unto himself? Now that's a direct reference back to what we're seeing in Proverbs 9 about wisdom is for yourself. But read it again. Can a man be profitable unto God as he that is wise may be profitable unto himself? In other words, as man receives the goodness from heeding wisdom, can a man be profitable to God in the same way? Is everybody following that? Can he he profit God in the same way? Is it any pleasure to the Almighty that thou art righteous? Question mark. Or is it gain to him that thou makest thy ways perfect. Will he reprove thee for fear of thee? Will he enter with thee into judgment? Now, you've got to kind of do reverse. I'll use the term, use reverse psychology here. Because remember, Eliphaz is trying to convince Job of what's actually happening. All right? But then notice his counsel in this particular section winds up with this. 
Is not thy wickedness great and thine iniquities infinite? And then he reminds Job of his sin. He says, for thou hast taken a pledge from thy brother for naught and stripped the naked of their clothing. This goes into to a much deeper thing, but he talks about in verse 9, thou hast sent widows away empty and the arms of the fatherless have been broken. He begins to remind Job of some of the things that he's done wrong in the past. Okay, fast forward all this and you get to the place of what's happening here. God is not gaining any advantage. There is nothing that man can do that brings profit unto him. You don't bring gain to God. If you become wise, it's to thyself. If you become a scorner, you will bear the full consequences of that. So what can we say about wisdom? What can we say about the difference in the scorner? Here, the wise man receives all of the profit that wisdom offers. In other words, God does not give us wisdom. He did not give us Christ to make Christ better. Okay? We, we don't... We don't understand that there are, there are things that we have, we have had in our life and things that we've had in our church life that have all been centered around that idea that we are bringing God profit. That our wisdom is making God more, more appealing. That if God didn't have us, then he would, he'd be missing something. There's a principle here that only, only God's going to be able to help us understand this. But this scorner is one that refuses that and rejects the wise counsel. And then number two, as we've already talked about, the scorner is responsible for the consequences. If thou scornest, thou alone shalt bear it. Bear what? The evil of the scorning, the sin of the scorning. And whatever punishment comes as a result of it. The scorner brings no hurt to Christ. It is said in the, one of the New Testament books, as they walked by Jesus on the cross, that men scoffed at him. They were scorning him. They were rejecting him. They were refusing him. They were saying, listen, there is, there is, he, he is worthless. But you understand that those scoffers and those scorners did no harm to wisdom, nor did they do any harm to Christ. We ought to remember this. When a preacher or a minister tries to speak to an individual about their soul, tries to preach the gospel to them, if they reject they are doing no harm to you. Okay? They are not hurting the gospel. They are not making God less valuable. They are not doing anything to harm the cause of Christ. You say, how far does that go? 
If a million people stood on television tonight and marched somewhere and says, we refuse Jesus Christ, he is in no way harmed. See, I'm not sure we actually believe that. Because we see things happen in our life and we think this is hurting the cause of Christ. He cannot be harmed. According to this principle, the scorner bears the full weight of his or her rejection. You say, but wait a minute. If we don't all do our part, no. Some of you bought that lie. Some of you bought the lies over the years that said, listen, if you don't do your part, you're hindering the movement of the gospel. And that just isn't true. We are privileged to be able to go and tell somebody else about Jesus Christ. But we are in no way hindering God's purposes or God's plan just because we did something wrong. I have heard of counseling sessions where pastors have taken the word of God and they've twisted it and they've made that person feel so guilty about what they've done It was almost as if, listen, you are hurting Christ. Or you're you're taking away from God. That's not wise counsel. It is not wise counsel for a counselor to sit across the table from you and say, because of your lack of activity, you're hurting God. Nothing we do is hurting Him. Now, we may very well be in disobedience, And we're going to reap all the consequences of whatever that disobedience is. But you're not hurting God. But he says, those who are wise, you also are heaping the wisdom and the goodness and the profit that comes from that. Not only is Christ not harmed, his ministers aren't harmed. The gospel is not harmed. People that scoff at preachers and and scoff at the gospel message. They're not harming Christ. They're not harming the purposes of God. According to what Proverbs 9.12 is teaching us here, all the hurt, all of the consequences come upon the scorner himself, and he or she alone will bear the full weight of that. Whatever consequences come. I came across a, a quote from, this is an old Puritan. I don't even know what year this was. But Matthew Poole said this. He said, Thou shalt be wise for thyself. Thou dost not profit me, reference to God, but thyself by it. I advise thee for thine own good. Thou alone shalt bear it. The blame and mischief of it falls wholly upon thee, not upon me or my word or ministers who have warned thee. In other words, when the scoffer one day has to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ who has rejected, who has rejected the gospel, there will be no excuse that the scoffer or the scorner can say about the minister who preached the gospel and he will not be able to find fault with the gospel. He will not be able to find fault with the church. He will not be able to find fault with Christianity. He will bear the full weight of everything that he scorned. Over in Proverbs 8, 
So just a chapter back from where we are now, Proverbs 8, we came across this in verses 32 through 36. And at the time, we, we touched on it, but now we're going to go back to it. In verse 32 of Proverbs 8, it says, Now therefore hearken unto me, O ye children, for blessed are they that keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and refuse it not. Blessed is the man that heareth me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors. For whoso findeth me findeth life and shall obtain favor of the Lord. Here's the scorner. But he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. All they that hate me love death. See, at the time, we didn't speak a lot about who that person was. Oh, then that's a rejecter. That's a scorner. That's a, the individual who rejects at the offer, the command to come to Christ. To scorn at wisdom, to scorn at Christ, is to choose death for yourself. To refuse the gospel, to scorn at it, brings eternal death. So we sit here tonight, and maybe we all sit here today, and we say we're all believers. And I want to, ask, I want to answer this question, and we'll finish with this. I want to answer this question. How should the believer respond to a scorner? How should we respond to them? Because Solomon does have a rule here. There's a, there's a rule of a believer's life, and there's a rule of how wisdom should be shown. Listen, there are some times, and this, this, this will be taken wrong. This will be taken wrong. It always is. The gospel is too pure. The gospel is too perfect to sometimes be considering, listen, if I can just talk to them, I'm going to convince them. I'm telling you right now, there are scorners and scoffers that no matter how many times you give them the gospel, no matter how many times you talk about the things of God, they are never going to receive your counsel. Now, that doesn't mean that we stop. If I stopped right there, you'd say, that sounds like you're giving up. That's not what I'm saying. But when you're dealing one-to-one with a person who is rejecting your counsel entirely, I want you to listen carefully. They don't want anything to do with it. They're, they're basically telling you, listen, why don't you just take your religion and throw it away? Just get rid of it. Can I give you a little suggestion about what you might do? You might, instead of trying to continue to beat something where somebody is saying, I don't want anything to do with this, why don't you pray for a more favorable time to when they might actually receive it? Folks, some of you, and myself included, were, was, were so ingrained in our head that you just, if the person won't listen, just back up and go back in. Back up and go hit them again. Back up and go hit them again. Back up and go hit them again. And if you don't do that, you don't love their soul. That is not Bible truth. It is not Bible truth to stand on somebody's doorstep and hit them over the head with the Bible. If they say, I don't want it, at some point, you've got to say, wait a minute. I'm not giving up on that soul, but I'm also realizing that right now, 
This is of no benefit to them. It's not benefiting them at all. But God may provide a more favorable opportunity. Now, this will really hit home if this happens in your home. See, the difference is, is we often think about preaching the gospel to total strangers. But what we're actually doing is we're probably missing the more obvious evangelism opportunities, people that are very close to us and people we come in contact with all the time. We think evangelism is just going out and handing tracts or talking to people who we've never met. Nothing wrong with that. The scoffers there, most times the scorners, they will walk right by you and you'll never see them again. But there are people that God brings in our life that one time they're a scorner and then suddenly one day you find out the Lord got a hold of them. You realize the Apostle Paul was a scorner. You realize had you walked in the days when the Apostle Paul was walking, you would have seen the Apostle Paul when he was Saul and you would have said to this, that man will never, ever, ever accept Christ. But Christ had other plans for that man. Like I said, some of you grew up in a situation where you were taught that if you don't talk to so many people, speak to so many people, and try so many times that you're a failure and you're hindering the cause of God, you're hindering the cause of Christ, and God somehow is now lessened because of you. That's not the case. Every man is accountable for his or her own choices. It, it doesn't matter what the circumstances are. It doesn't matter what the situation is. If I have a problem as a believer and I come to you as another believer and I'm seeking wise counsel and you give me wise counsel and I say, you know what, I'm just not going to take that, whatever the consequences are, they're on me, not you. Folks, let me just be very transparent. I've given counsel to people before, not necessarily here, who took it, ignored it, and there were direct consequences because they ignored it. It wasn't because I was some kind of a prophet or because I knew something they didn't know. It was a biblical truth. I gave them a biblical truth. They looked at it and said, yeah, but, and they went and did their own thing, and they, the consequences were almost immediate. I'm not responsible. You're not responsible for people's bad choices after you've given them wise counsel. And there are people today that are beating themselves up because someone, a loved one, did not take their counsel. It is not on you. And I'm telling you, that guilt runs a lot deeper than what a lot of us will admit tonight. We think about it all the time. We think, I could have done something better. I could have presented the gospel better as if we lessened the gospel because we didn't know. It is on the scorner who says, I want nothing to do with your God. I think it's important because there are so many Christians walking around today who are beating themselves up, holding themselves responsible for somebody who scorned the gospel that they tried to give to them. This principle ought to be posted somewhere where you remind you are not responsible for somebody else's rejection of God. So often you hear it. Well, did you say this? Did you say that? Did, did, you, did, you, did you talk right? Did you... We're not the ones hindering because we're ultimately not the ones saving. 
No man in himself has ever convinced a sinner to come to Christ. It is only because the Lord Jesus Christ burst into that man, opened his eyes, opened his ears, opened his heart, and that man became a willing soul. I've watched horrendous demonstrations of the gospel being given. I've given horrendous demonstrations of the gospel only to watch a person come to Christ. And you step back and you say, wow, it honestly does. It has nothing to do with me. I was going down the plan of salvation and I missed step three and four. And somehow they still came to Christ because I didn't hinder God. This wisdom, this counsel, this last thing there in your handout, I, I came across the quote, I thought I'd share it with you and it, it was valuable to me. From Matthew Henry says, there is no true wisdom but in the way of Christ. No true life but in the end of that way. Here is the happiness of those that embrace it. A man cannot be profitable to God on his own and that is for our own good. Observe the shame and ruin of those who slight it. God is not the author of sin and Satan can only tempt, he cannot force. Thou shalt bear the loss of that which thou scornest, it will add to thy condemnation. Not a one of us wants a man or woman to be condemned, but we also understand we cannot be held accountable and feel guilty for someone else's rejection. I hope we'll get to the principles. I hope we'll understand really what, what the, the truth here is. Too many Christians have found themselves absolutely paralyzed because they feel responsible and they feel guilty for what somebody else refused to accept. All you can do is give the gospel. Give the pure gospel, heed the wise counsel, and allow the scorner to do what the scorner will do. It's hard to admit that, but that's the truth of what we're learning about tonight. Let's go ahead and stand. We'll read our Valley of Vision. We'll be on our way. It's just simply entitled Openness. Lord of immortality, before whom angels bow and archangels veil their faces, enable me to serve thee with reverence and godly fear. Thou who art spirit and requirest truth in the inward parts, help me to worship thee in spirit and in truth. Thou who art righteous, let me not harbor sin in my heart or indulge a worldly temper or seek satisfaction in things that perish. I hasten towards an hour when earthly pursuits and possessions will appear vain, when it will be indifferent whether I have been rich or poor, successful or disappointed, admired or despised. But it will be of eternal moment that I have mourned for sin, hungered and thirsted after righteousness, loved the Lord Jesus in sincerity, gloried in his cross. May these objects engross my chief solitude. Produce in me those principles and dispositions that make thy service perfect freedom. Expel from my mind all sinful fear and shame, so that with firmness and courage I may confess the Redeemer before men, go forth with him bearing his reproach, be zealous with his knowledge, be filled with his wisdom, walk with his circumspection, ask counsel of him in all things, repair to the scriptures for his orders, stay my mind on his peace. Not, knowing that nothing can befall me 
without his permission, appointment, and administration. Father, we thank you for this time we've had together. And Lord, I just simply ask tonight that you'll help us through the Spirit to understand and discern the truth. And Lord, I don't know what the issues and situations may be even amongst this group tonight, but Lord, I know my, my own thoughts in this, and I know, uh, Lord, there have been struggles even in my life regarding these principles. And Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you for bringing those to my remembrance. But Lord, I also pray that maybe tonight you've brought that to the remembrance of someone here. Lord, maybe it has been a struggle for them in this, this area of guilt, in this area of feeling responsible for somebody who's rejected the gospel that they've so faithfully tried to preach and teach. Lord, may we pray for an opportunity. May we pray for an opportunity to speak to the scorner when maybe they'll be more receptive to the truth. But Lord, we also ultimately know that without the Holy Spirit of God making a man willing, there is no argument, there's no debate, there's nothing we can say, there's no way that we can frame it that makes a man or a woman heed wise counsel. Lord, I do pray that you'd help us as believers when we need help, we need counsel and advice, that we would seek out those who are in Christ and that we would be willing to heed it that we would not just reject it because it doesn't line up with our thoughts, but may we understand that wise counsel is for our own good, for our profit. Lord, I do pray that we would be men and women who desire wise counsel in our lives. Father, go with us now. I pray that you will prepare our hearts for worship on Sunday. And Lord, may we desire to truly magnify Christ with all of our life. Dismiss us now with thy blessing, and it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. All right. Thank you so much for being here.